It's our series we're going to get into again. If you're watching online, thank you for watching online. And if you're a guest tonight, thank you for being here. Glad that you're all here. This is part three. Part three. The daily life of a God-first Christian. What does our daily life look like every single day, 24 hours in the day? What do we do with our time? This is just some practical, logical advice for what it means to be a Christian every day. We talk about super spiritual stuff a lot in church, but tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about our life, our every day, every hour in the day life, because this stuff adds up to create blessing or curse in our lives. And the majority of things as a pastor I minister about, usually there's 10 life problems behind every problem, because people don't take care of their money their relationships, their health, and they have all kinds of uh, weights on them that keep them from freely worshiping God very easily, always stressed out. And it's not the will of God for us to be stressed out in our lives in chaos, right? All the fruit of the Spirit and all the great things God does for us is supposed to help us have peace and joy, but we ruin that with bad choices. We do. And so because a lot of people didn't have parents to teach them to brush their teeth at night before they go to bed, because we're so spiritual we don't have to, our teeth falls out. And we're praying to God to help us with our teeth. When mom and dad should have done taught you, don't go eat some sugar and go to sleep. But because you didn't have a mom or a dad around, because that's the world we live in, a lot of people have so many bad choices they're making and they have made that they're paying for. Because no one had any wisdom and leadership in their lives. And so we've got to have wisdom, and I want to help you as your pastor, because I care about you, with some of these things we never talk about. And I don't do this all the time, but I felt to do this right now, because I want your lives to be organized, I want your lives to be blessed, and I want you to be ready for the last days. Because you can't handle all your stress and the last day antichrist spirit trying to attack you. All right? So part three, and the scripture reference we have been using uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, we can bring that up, Omar. Now may the God of peace himself exactly, uh, sorry, himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole, everybody say spirit. spirit. This is a, the, the one I've used the last two weeks if you're looking it up. But this is the whole spirit, everybody say soul, soul. and body be preserved blameless. All three parts of who we are is to be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blameless. Someone say blameless. That means my spirit's got to be right, and you can't really see that. It's got to be right anyway. My soul's got to be right. You can't see it, but you see my emotion. You see how it comes out of me, right? Uh, someone's like, well, what is your soul? You ever heard of like, like soul singing? There's something about it. Soul is your emotion. Soul is your body language. Soul is your facial expressions. Some of y'all have a lot of soul. It shows up in your face. Shows up how you snap your finger. You got soul. Yeah. And then it shows up in our body. Because our bodies must be blameless. And the thought that Christians could do whatever they want with their body because it's just your body isn't true. The body must be blameless. What you do with your body, it matters to God. 
okay? So that's the series we're in right now. We've talked about how you need to get good sleep because even though you pray all the time but you don't have good sleep, you still feel like uh, annoyed all the time and you're short and you've got your temper not right because you don't get enough sleep. Exercise can be helpful. The Bible says a little exercise is profitable for you. We sit behind desks. We weren't, we weren't really built to sit behind desks. We were built to be active. Our bodies were built to move and be used. Some people need to incorporate exercise because they never get any action done, and they, they're just not happy. It causes a depression in people. You're meant to move. You're meant to do something, okay? Uh, it matters what you eat. Your meal times matter. That's a big part of your day, eating. What you put in your body is fuel, it's energy, it's vitamins, it also is social. It's time for you to, to socialize with other people. And a lot of us hurt ourselves by our diet and we feel depressed and we feel sluggish and we feel tired and we're like, God, deliver me. And God's like, stop, stop eating it, stop killing yourself, right? And we pray about things that are just common sense and we don't have to, we just get a change. What you pray about is this, you don't pray about your food, you pray about the desire for the food. That's the hard part, y'all. The hard part is the desire for it. We are so addicted to food because as Christians, it's been the only thing we were allowed to do that wasn't a sin. That you didn't think was a sin. Because all the preachers when you were growing up were, they love food. And they didn't preach against it. Yeah? So we've got to make sure we're taking care of ourselves because it affects our spirit. It does. I'll prove it to you. Go ahead and read your Bible and pray for an hour every day, but then eat sugar all day. Sit in a chair all day, never move, and see if you feel very spiritual after about a month. You, you can't do that. It's one package. That's why the Bible says we've got to present the whole package blameless. You cannot have one part of you good and the other part not good. What's happening in your spirit will show up in your soul and your body. Your body is a great indicator for what is happening in your spirit. Yes, it is. Be sure your sins will find you out. Things that are happening internally show up externally. And as a church, a lot of times you don't trust me when I tell you your spirit's wrong. I've got to wait for you to manifest it before I call you out on it. Because you won't let anybody talk to you about the spiritual issues. It's got to show up in your flesh before we can bring it out. And a lot of us don't know we have problems until 15 years down the road and it's manifesting. I don't have an eating condition. Wait 10 years and then, then talk to me. Some stuff shows up slowly over time. But we need to deal with stuff on a spiritual level so that we can get the soul right and then we'll get the body right. That's how this works. I, I have a desire to be healthy in my flesh, but, but really I can't if my spirit's not right. Because if my spirit's not right, I need Skittles to get through the day. But then guess what those Skittles do? They make me worse. And I need more Skittles for the Skittles. I need more Skittles because I'm depressed because I keep eating Skittles. See how it snowballs out of control? So we've got to make sure that we live our everyday life. Our everyday life adds up to cause big problems. And that's what I want to make sure is good. So tonight we're talking about your job and your career choice. Because eight hours or more of your day is at your job. Not only are you at your job for a large percentage of your week, 
But the people who control you financially are at your job. And tell me who has the most power over you right now. People who pay you. I, I, am, I am no slave. I'm free. Really, when your boss walks in and says, you get here tomorrow at 6 and work, I'll fire you. Yes, sir, sir. Yes, I'll get there, sir. Whatever you say, sir. It's amazing how money can make you do whatever. So who's your boss? Who are you a slave to? Because you picked that guy. You picked that woman. And they are over you. And you signed up that you were going to be under their leadership. Don't tell me it doesn't matter where you work. You're submitted to them. And you chose to do it so you could have money. When you could have worked anywhere and could have chose any job, right? So your job matters. And we've got to be careful with what we do with our eight, nine hours a day. We've got to be so careful. A lot of y'all come home stressed after your job. Why are you stressed? They're paying you. Because it's not about money. Well, no, I do it for the money. Well, how come you're so mad all the time? They're going to pay you. Shouldn't it equal out? No, because you need more than money. You need the right environment to work in. What's the point of a little money, a little extra money, if you're always angry when you come home? That's not the will of God. If you're angry every day at your job, who are you going to witness to? Because everyone's going to see the worst of you, not the best of you. You need to have peace when you wake up in the morning and go to work because that's when God can flow through you the easiest to witness and be a light to somebody. It matters where you work. When it comes to our career and our job, this is what we tell our kids to pick when they're young. What do you want to be when you grow up? Little Timmy. Timmy's like, I want to be a brain surgeon. You're like, you go do it because I want a big house. Some of y'all aren't laughing because in your spirit, you want Timmy to be rich because you want to make sure you have a good retirement. It's kind of like these, uh, these parents of kids who are very athletic. They push their children to go be a superstar in the NBA or in the, in the NFL because they know that big paycheck. They don't care about the fact that their son could be hit in the head and be a vegetable the rest of their life or killed. They're thinking about money, fame. I have seen Christian parents push their kids into sports, miss all kinds of youth events, all kinds of church, because he might get a free ride to college. Let me say it like this, so he could get money. You just bought your child's soul for 100 grand. That's what you did. You literally paid 100000 You got $100,000 for your kid's soul. Let's say it like that because that's the truth. We never trade our kids for fame and for fortune and for money so that they can have it or so you could have it. That is not wise. Some of you will have your kids show up one day after a strong youth service or one day when they go to Texas Bible College and they'll look at you and say, looks like I want to go live in Africa. And you're thinking, where are my grandkids going to be? Africa. What about retirement? No retirement for you. They're not going to give you anything. Will you be happy for them? Or will you start to think about yourself? See, this is what we've done wrong is we, out of fear, have told our kids to pick a good job they can make lots of money because you didn't have money. And you thought having money would have solved your problems. But that's not going to solve someone's problems. Having money is not the answer. 
and we push our kids when they're young to please make sure you make your mind up and you go to college. How many more of our kids are going to go spend thousands of dollars on college, go finish, be in debt 60 grand, and then change careers, and then be in debt for the next 20 years to that college? It makes more sense for your kid to hear from God on what they're going to do with their life before they go to a secular college where they could easily backslide, get in debt for a career they may not do. Doesn't make any sense to me. We've got to make sure that our kids are hearing from the Lord and we're not pressuring them to be something we wish we were. Our kids are living in the last days. And listen, money won't save them in the last days. I don't care how rich your kids get or what they do in this world. They have to have a deep love for God and a conviction for God if they're going to make it in the last days. Let's don't push our kids to go after money first. Let's make sure they're seeking the will of God first. And if it's God's will for them to have money, I promise you they'll make it. They will make it. God won't stop them from making money. Let's let God have a say when it comes to our children. Uh, let's talk about college because it's a big part of choosing a career. People get older and they start, or even older adults now, think about should I go to college, go back to college. So here's what I've learned about, about college. It's not needed to make money. Going to college is not needed to make money. There are lots of people in our church and outside of our church that never went to college that make good money. My dad did not go to college. He retired in around the age of, of 60. So, so going to college is not a guaranteed way to make money. Some people have gone to college. They've spent four, six years on a master's degree, and they only make, after all of that, $75,000 a year. That's not that much money. They're still in debt. They're still paying off their debt. That's not that much money for all the time they spent. Look, six years of your life you spent to make $75,000? What if you invested that six years into a trade or starting your own business? You could be making $200,000 a year and take off when you want to. So we're, we're not really seeing college right, and I hope I can help you. College is needed to do certain careers in the world. If you want to be a doctor, you can't practice on the pet in the backyard and then sign up to be a doctor. You've got to go to college. If you want to be a lawyer, you can't just debate your brother and sister and then just sign up. You've got to pass the bar exam. You've got to go to certain colleges and get certain degrees to do certain things in this world, right? Um, many parents will push college because it's easier and more predictable because parents are afraid that their kids may not be able to make it starting their own business or doing a trade, and so they push their kids to go to college because it seems like a more predictable path, and especially if your kids are good at school, you're thinking, well, they'll be good at college, they'll get a good degree, and then they'll probably get a pretty good job. And so that's the reason why we push a lot of college. The reason why we push our daughters specifically to go to college or, or to make sure they go to college is because a lot of the uh, male jobs, um, they don't require college. Like starting a business, it's a kind of a hustle thing. A lot of men naturally do good at hustling like that. But women a lot of times have to find themselves making money in healthcare. 
or, 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 or female-style jobs where they can make good money and not have to lift objects or dig holes in the ground, right? The reason why there's not a lot of women plumbers out there is because lifting heavy pipes all day is difficult for the build of a woman. So how does a woman make good money? A lot of times she has to go to college and get a certain career to make good money and that's why we push our daughters a lot of times to go into college because there's a whole lot more fields out there especially nursing especially medical but listen to the to the voice behind why we push our daughters to go to college because we're scared they'll marry a loser get divorced and need money because technically if that young lady is doing the will of God becoming a great woman technically she'll she'll get some great man looking at her. And that great man who's walking with the Lord should have his life in order. And he should have a career. He should have something going. And that great man should take care of your little angel. So what do we do with our daughters who spend six years in college to get a career, then get married to the love of their life and want a baby? Can you have that baby raise your kids and still... Go do the career you chose, not unless you're working from home. So we don't think through a lot of the things that we do with our career. A lot of women, I have seen them plan their careers, and then when they get to be 24 and they meet Mr. Hero, they get married and they want a family, and they want eight kids, and yet they want to keep their job too. If you have a desire as a woman to do a career life, you cannot have a desire to have a big family. How do you do both? It doesn't work. Let me give you an example. You have to work extra to pay somebody else to raise your kids. You are literally working to pay someone to raise your own kids. I know that's how our system is, but I'm a pastor preaching truth. I don't care what our culture does. I don't care what trap you got into. I'm going to preach what's best for us as Christians and best for our daughters getting older. You may be stuck in the life that you're in. You can't go back. That's fine. But we've got to make sure the next generation doesn't make mistakes. Because too many of our young daughters have messed up and now they're in a place of life where they just didn't do it right. So I'm saying to you, let's make sure our young people have time to hear from God on what they want to do before they rush and invest and make regrets with their life, okay? Um, our kids definitely should be well-rounded and able to make money because you never know if they're going to get married. You never know if they're going to go to Africa or not. And so our kids should not be sitting around on video games because you never know. Our kids should be busy. Our kids should be learning. Our kids should be doing something. We'll talk more about colleges, and I'll explain more about the danger of them. Many colleges are mainly universities. They have a very anti-Christ agenda. I hope you all know that by now. I just saw a report that right down the road... University of Texas, right here in Austin, had a professor put out a paper question that asked who is more likely to rip you off in, in the world. And the answer was white men. That's in the college down the road. Teaching college students that white men have a higher chance of doing something corrupt. Are there any white men in this church who are not corrupt like me? That's very offensive to me. That's very offensive to me. But that's what they're teaching 
our kids and the university down the road. You know, when I went to go get my little sticker, my little uh, toll tag sticker, it asked me what color or what kind of design I wanted. I, I, I did a UT sticker. I'm going to change it out. It's so sad what our world is coming to. It's so sick what they're teaching in our colleges. And so that's what's happening in our colleges. The atmosphere is very nasty at the university. See, some of you parents are planning on putting your kids in, or maybe you're planning on maybe, maybe enrolling or something. Usually it's younger people. But, but I want to make sure that we're careful because we want to enroll our kids and send them to a university, and they're surrounded by godlessness all the time. Our percentage rate of keeping our kids after college is so, in church, is so low. Yet we keep sending our kids to universities. As a parent, you will stand before God with what you pushed your child to do. You will. You will do it. And as a pastor, I am free of it. Because I am warning you right now, I will not be held accountable. I am warning you against universities. I'm not saying don't go get a degree. I'm saying why would we take an unstable young person, throw them in that godless society, and then be like shocked when they don't serve God anymore? So I'm warning you. You're the parent. You decide what you're going to tell Timmy to do. I'm telling you, why do it? If you want to get a degree, then why not do it online? They don't have to be influenced by that mess. And that's my solution to you, is why would we put our kids in a university unless we just have to, right? Because some kids, they're just ready, they're mature, they're super spiritual, they're called to it. But most of our kids, why not just do online, online college? Why put them in front of that propaganda and that agenda? So that's something for all of you to consider, but I have seen it so many times. We have lost so many apostolic, Pentecostal young people because they went to university and they could not make it. It's very tough to make it, very tough. Hope Silo is our, uh, our school, and Hope Silo is great for people who are wanting to do college later, um, especially online college. Some people think that Hope Silo was going to mean that your kid won't be very smart if they go to Hope Silo. And my uh, response to that is, if your kid's lost, I don't care how smart they are or how much money they make. Our school is not about education first. It's about making sure that they get the Word of God and a Christian environment instilled into them. Okay? Thank you. And furthermore, through Hope Silo, you can get your kids accredited. Maybe a little known fact, but through our school, your kids can be accredited, okay? So I just want to make sure that that's clear because we've, we've got people that are scared to put their kids in some type of a church school because they don't think the education is actually uh, there. Uh, but the truth is we have kids transfer from public schools to Hope Silo and they can't get the work done very easily because it's harder than public school. So if it's harder than public school, it's better. That means it's going to make our kids have to work harder to learn. It's not as easy. In public school, they will pass you. They'll pass you if you play good at sports. They'll pass you because they want to keep their grades right and they want to make sure they get raises as teachers. They will, they will pass you in public schools, right? So I want to make sure we're doing what's best for our kids and I want to make sure Hope Silo keeps to grow, keeps growing. It's very important, all right? Um, as far as looking for a career... I don't know why you wouldn't consider starting your own business. It's a wonderful thing. This is America. You can start your own business. You can make your own hours. Isn't that amazing? You can sleep in every day and still be rich. Isn't that cool? 
Eventually, not in the beginning. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I give you guys the truth on that. You're like, oh, really? No, it's going to take a while for you to get there. But you can get there eventually. Hey, rental property is incredible. Rental property, y'all. Rental property. Uh, the, the cool thing to do these days on the street is buy a duplex, live in one side, rent the other one out. It's kind of smart, isn't it? Buy, maybe build a duplex, buy some land, build it, rent one side out, live in the other, let them pay you rent. Isn't that smart? There's so many things that you can do to get ahead, but rental property is always amazing. So start getting, start getting a rental property. Start buying something small, rent it out, do it again, do it again. But eventually, how many homes does it take for you to make uh, $100,000 a year? Oh, maybe 10. So at 10 homes, you have $100,000 a year in passive income coming in. Passive income, that means you're not working. You can hire a company to run it for you, manage it. Ten homes paid for. might take you 20 years to do that, but in 20 years, you can have 100 that grand coming in. Uh, those, are, uh, those are appreciating assets that go up every year, and now you just sit back and go minister at Loving Austin every single day, and you've got 100 grand a year coming in. This is just basic stuff that people do all the time, right? So I want you to think outside the box, okay? There are people in this room who have had a career for years, and those who are just new at their line of work. Your career matters to God. What you do every day matters to God. For far too long, we have not talked about it because we thought that's your territory. But technically, everything we decide to do is God. God dictates everything we, we choose to do with our lives. God gives you a job for his kingdom, number one. God does not give you a job to build your kingdom. God doesn't give you anything to build your kingdom. If you belong to God, he doesn't do anything so that you can have your own kingdom. Everything God does for you is for his purpose. Everything. And of course, your job is one of the most important things that God wants to have a say-so on. Okay? It's not for you to have excess materialism or a lavish lifestyle. God does not give you a job so that you can desire not to go to church more. So you can have so many extra things that you don't want to go to church anymore. Oh, God blessed me with this boat, so I'm going to go use it on Sunday. God did not give you that boat so you can miss church on Sunday. I promise you that. The devil did. The devil did. And he'll do it again and again and again. God won't give you a business that makes you miss church. God doesn't want you to be rich if it costs you your soul. Right? It matters to God. It does. Providing for your family. That's one of the big reasons why God gave you that job. Your personal ministry. That's why God gave you that job. He wants you to have a personal ministry. And, and providing for the kingdom of God. Working, working for the kingdom of God. Those are the reasons why God gave you the job he wants to give you. Not just for you. That's not why God gives you a job. We choose jobs based on money, not based on the voice of God. We should be picking what God has for us. God can promote you at any company. God, look, read the story of Joseph. It doesn't matter what job you're doing, God can put favor on your life and you can become the millionaire at the poor company. It doesn't matter where you work, it matters where God said to work. That's what matters. Doing and being in the will of God is number one. The first goal in choosing a job, is this where God wants me to be? Number one, God will always provide the financing, if the job is his will, he'll always provide it. If, if God has you right where he wants you to be, then you need the money. God will find a way to get you the money when you're in his will every time. 
It may be scary. It may be taking a leap of faith. But when you do what God called you to do for an occupation, God will make a way for you financially. There's money to be made. Drive on the west side of town if you don't believe me. Look up the cost of houses in Austin if you don't believe me. Someone's making a lot of money around here to pay for all this stuff that costs crazy numbers. There are jobs for you. Another question, the job you pick. Is it by the city that you're called to minister to? Well, I'm a saint, pastor. I don't have to do that. That's what you have to do. I disagree. You've got to listen to God just like I do. I came to work for this city and serve this area because God called me to it. That's how this works. I'm a saint like you. I just have a certain job to do. We have got to ask God what the will is for our life and where we're supposed to minister. Here's how we pray. God, where do you want me to go work so I can have lots of stuff? That sounds very selfish. Why don't you pray this? God, where can I be the most influential in your kingdom? Now, when I get there, give me a job to support the ministry in the kingdom. This is how God works. But it's not how we talk. It's not how we pray. We say, God, you know, I woke up today and I just feel like working at Chick-fil-A. It sounds fun. Or I feel like I should go be a lawyer. It sounds fun. We pick things because they sound cool. Not because God called us to do them. Let me go a little further. You can pick a career like astronaut. But if you have a calling for Oklahoma City. And you have a calling to be an astronaut. You're, you're out of luck. One of those has to go. You can't be an astronaut and be called to Oklahoma City. Not a lot of astronauts or NASA or Starlink or anything else out there happening in Oklahoma. So the first question is not what's my job. The first question is where am I called to go? Then when I get there, God will give me a job. Maybe this is why Paul was a tent maker, because he could make a tent anywhere. Uh, uh, Paul's called to do fishing. Well, now you've got to live by the coast. God does not want you to lock down who you are based on your job. He wants you to pick where you're called to be, and then he will bless you where you're called to be. God will provide money and the job and the people, everything you need. When you ask him, where am I called to be? God will supply the finances. But we always ask God first because we want to do what we want to do, not what he wants us to do. Listen, you are not called to be a lawyer, a banker, or a plumber. You're called to be a child of God, a minister, someone who teaches Bible studies. And what you do for money is what you do for money. Sharon is much more than a nurse. I know you can be a nurse and make good money, but she's a Bible study teacher. That's what she was called by God to do. The nursing is what she does to pay the bills. That's not who her calling is. You've got to think like a child of God, not like some career person in the world. I know your uncles and your cousins all sitting around going, what you want to do with your life? Here's your answer. I want to do the will of God. What do you mean? What do you want? What do you want? I want to do the will of God. That means where God calls me, I'll go. What God says to do, I'll do. If God says be a trash man, I'll be a trash man. I don't, I don't know everything. I don't have it all figured out. I want to do the will of God. So the first thing you should ask is where am I called to minister? Because then God will find out or get you the job you need while you live there. 
Yep, that's how we do it. That's how we should do it. I encourage you, ask advice from mentors in the church. Ask advice from your pastor, from me, so that I can help you make this choice. I want you to be in the will of God. I want you to do what God has called you to do. And I'm telling you, we will not build a church of people who are called to have careers and not called to Austin. If your calling to do your career is greater than your calling for people out there on the street, we will never reach them. Because you know what? As soon as your boss calls you to transfer jobs, you'll do it. You know why? Because your calling was never to an area. Your calling was to yourself. Whatever, whatever I need to do for me is my calling. That is not how this works. We've got to be called to ministry first. And God will supply everything we need in that journey. It's not money first. It's not my occupation first. It's my calling of God first. And God will supply finances as we journey. You know, your career dictates where you'll live oftentimes. I just mentioned that about the space program astronaut versus living in Oklahoma. When you choose your career, your career sets your destiny. Okay, I want to be a big-time lawyer. Well, you can't go out to East Texas and Gilmer, Texas, outside of East Texas in the middle of the sticks and be a great lawyer. What are you going to do? You're going to be defending people get hit cows or hit deer. That's all you're doing, you know. But if you want to be something big, you're going to be called to places that are big cities. You know that, right? So if you're called to work in the country, but your career is city or vice versa, you can't do the will of God because you let your career lock down who you are. But what we do is we pick our career and say, God, work inside the confines of my dream. Instead of saying, God, tell me what I'm called to do and then make a way for me while I'm doing it. That's what we should be doing. I can guarantee you that, that Brother Smith back here knows he's not called to run a company first. He's first called to reach this city. And that company is just there as a help to bless and take care of his ministry. I know that's his heartbeat. That's his desire. And I guarantee you, God's going to make sure that his company has what it needs financially because he sees the company supporting the mission. So as long as you will tie your career to the call, God will always make your career profitable. Put your career in God's hands and he will multiply the finances of your career. Do it. Watch God supply your need. Watch God do it. God knows our heart. God knows that if we got good in a career, we'd up and leave. God knows if he blessed some of y'all's jobs, you wouldn't work in the kingdom. But if you will ever give God your career and say, God, whatever you want me to do with my life, watch how God blesses. Watch how God opens doors for you. And watch how many souls get reached for the kingdom. Did you know your job could be almost anything? You can make money doing lots of things in the world. Well, if I were to say, what do you do to make money? A lot of y'all would be like, well, doctor, lawyer, you name four or five things. No, the majority of rich people in the world are not doctors and lawyers. So that's, that's actually not true. But, you know, your kid, the kids are like, I want to make lots of money. I'm going to go be a doctor. I'm like, that's not even that much money. Doctors make $350,000 a year. That's not that much money. Business owners make millions. Millions, y'all. I mean, you work, you work stressful all day long inside someone's brain for $350 a year. There's guys out there playing golf every day making millions. So if it's about money, you don't have to just do that one thing you're stuck in. God can make you 
so much money if you'll get in his will. You know, many are stressed because they don't feel like that they don't feel like God wants them or, or has them in the right place. They don't feel like they're in the right place and they know God has more for them. Many people are stressed because they're just doing a dead-end job. They're just getting by. And they don't feel content. Too many Christians are just getting by in their everyday job and they are depressed. And that's not the will of God. You need to know when you wake up in the morning, this job God gave to me. This job's the will of God. This job's the one I need to be at for a season and a time. And God, I trust you because you've spoken to me over this job. I'm there to reach these people. I'm there for this door. I'm there for that open contact. I'm there for this much money. But you need to have a peace in your heart that God has opened up the job that you're in. Some people work jobs to be financially blessed and to finance the kingdom. You know, making a million dollars a year is not much these days for a business owner to do. It's very easy. There's a lot of people that do it. A lot of people that do it. There's people in our church that work for people that make lots of money. I told you again, Austin's got lots of money. The home in Austin, the home price for a, a decent home is like $800,000 to a million in Austin. That means these people have to be making $250,000 a year. Combined income in a home. Some of you are like, what? Y'all, it's happening all over Austin. People are making money. Right? It can happen. You can live off, if, if a few of you would do this and just make a million a year, watch this. You can live off 500 grand and, and never have a problem again. 500 grand, you're good. You can do anything with 500 grand a year. It's amazing, okay? And then 500 grand you could give to our church and we would cover every, our yearly spending budget for this entire church operation. And you could live like a king. And this church would need nothing for the basic facility to be run and operating. Just one person can do that. One. Think what could happen in the kingdom if people would start to say, God, I want you to use me. Think what God could do. It's amazing what God can do. I hear some people say uh, to God over the years, they'll, they'll, we all, I guess we all said this probably, I want to make money. Because I want to help the kingdom of God. How many of y'all have ever thought, man, God, if you bless me, I'll bless the kingdom. You ever thought that before? I know I have. That's been in my heart. I think that is what a lot of us say. But listen, you can't trick God. If you're not doing it on what you make now, then I'm telling you, God can't trust you with more. There are some people that are so sincere when they say that because you can see it at the end of the year tithing and, and offering. It shows up on the little that they make right now. That when they pray that prayer and they say, God, if you ever bless me with a whole lot, I would give it. The best way to prove to God that you can be trusted with mega money is whenever you make very little and you are a big giver. That's the way to prove to God that he can trust you with more riches. We never give after we get it. We give before. We pay up front by faith. We sow now to prove to God. If you can't do it on 40 grand a year, you can't do it on 400 grand a year. I'm telling you. You can't do it. But when you start giving 20% tithes and 20% offering, you are proving to God you're on the next level. That sounds ridiculous to you, doesn't it? But there are people that do it. 
They do it by faith. They sow into the kingdom of God. And it's amazing to watch God bless those people. That's when you're real and that's when you're truly into this thing the right way. Because now God sees your heart. It's not just talk. Now, there's some that live cheap so they can give an extra $100 in the offering. And they feel really spiritual. Let me talk about you for a second. A few thousand dollars a year is not going to make or break this church. You sacrificing a new car payment or not upgrading your car does not make much difference overall in the kingdom. There are some people that think, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to just live a little cheaper so I can give a little more. And that can make you feel so spiritual. But you know what's wiser than you just giving a few extra hundred a month to the church because you didn't buy a new car? Investing that money that you would have spent on a new car and buying real estate. Renting it out, flipping it, and over the course of 10 years becoming a millionaire. And then you can give hundreds of thousands to the kingdom of God. Sometimes our thinking is so small because we go, well, I want to save money. I want to save money. Y'all, that's not how we turn the world upside down. If we all cut back our expenses 5%, we would increase our giving 5%. We would do a little bit more for the kingdom. We've got a massive field in this world, wide open. We don't just need a couple hundred thousand dollars more. We need millions of dollars more to reach the field, to send the missionaries, and to send out the evangelists. We've got people going, well, I just want to cut back, cut back. That's not what we need. We need people with dreams, creativity, people to start businesses people to to raise funding that's extreme and crazy but we got people going oh I just want to save a few extra dollars y'all that's the poor mentality that's the way the church has done it forever where are the people that say I am not just going to save a few hundred bucks I'm going to reinvest this money and you may not get much for 10 years pastor but when it all gets good we can be able to build churches everywhere because if you'll use that extra and snowball it We can get to a place as a church to where all of you are financially free. All of you are into big money. And we can all participate in the end time revival. So don't be that person that says, I'm just going to blow a couple extra dollars throw it in the offering plate. If you get a chance to invest in something, an idea, a business, then do it. I give you permission to not put your extra $300 in a month to go start your own business Because if you can start your own business, you can be giving $3,000 a month and have $3,000 left over for you if you'll think outside the box. Because what we do as Christians, we we think so small. We'll go, I'll just get a little raise here and give it to the kingdom or I'll do small things. God's calling the church in the last day to do big things, to start businesses, to be creative. We're not just going to go get jobs and get a little hourly raise and change the world. That's not how it works, y'all. Where are the people with a dream and a vision that says, I'm more than someone who just goes out and works from 9 to 5, 8 to 5 every day. God's got his hand on my life. If I, if I didn't answer the call to preach, I'd be a millionaire. I believe it. If I did not answer the call to preach, I truly believe I'd be a millionaire. I would have partnered with my dad. I would have gotten into the real estate business. And I truly believe I'd be a millionaire right now if I didn't get to take the call to preach. I believe it. I've got all the resources to do it. I've got my dad's connections. I could have gone into that. I could have finished business school. I could have done it. I could have so much real estate, so much rental properties. I could have done it easily. But I chose this life and gave it up. Who's going to do it if I'm not? 
Because think about how many churches we can build if one person gets a vision and says, let's do this. I may not be in that pulpit preaching, but I can go out there and start that business. I can go out there and make that money. I may not have the calling of pastor. Let him do the pastoring. Let him do the preaching. But let me go out here and do something big. And if I wasn't pastoring, I'd, I'd hope to God I'd be supporting missions. I'd hope to God I'd be giving to the kingdom. I hope that I would. Chances are God saved me because you can't, you can't do a different call and be saved. So I probably wouldn't have, honestly. Because if, if I'd have left my calling, I probably would have been all messed up. But someone has got to have a vision. And someone's got to realize God wants to take control of your career. Let me pause for a minute and just tell you. I'm talking about your career. I'm talking about you being wise. But the fact is not every one of you is going to go start a business and make lots of money. The fact is most of you will keep doing what you're doing and you'll keep making what you're making and it might be tight until you retire. But you know what? God has a place for everybody. And some of you are not called to go start a business and be high up in some company. You're called to be faithful to the kingdom. You're called to be faithful to your job and your boss and to win souls and work in the kingdom as best as you can. This is not for everybody, but once again, we need everyone to do the will of God for their life. Some of you can't handle the pressure of owning the business, so don't go try it. Do what God has called you to do, and you'll find a perfect fit for your ministry, for your family, and for your life. Think about it, okay? Um, I talked a little about starting a business, a passive income. Let me hurry and get to my clothes. The older you are, the more difficult it is to make a job change. That's just common sense. So, experience is very important in hiring and the longer you're in a career or a job the more you're kind of stuck in that job if for all of your life you've just been a, a I don't know a, 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 a popcorn maker and that's what you've done your whole life you build popcorn put it in bags someone's got to do it right thank God for you I love popcorn but if, if that's what you do and you're 50 and you go after 30 years of working for popcorn and you want to go over to some other job, and they say, what's your experience? Well, I know how to bag popcorn. <laughs> Sir, we're looking to hire a nurse. Well, I know how to bag popcorn. Surely there's something I can do to help this hospital. The older you get, the harder it is for you to change a career, Amen. right? Because you have experience in certain areas, and... Uh, most, most bosses don't want to hire someone 50 that's stuck in their ways, right. right? They want to get someone younger that doesn't need as much money that's trainable. Amen. So when I talk about a career, and I'm talking about you picking your career, when you get to a certain age, some of y'all are probably tuning me out because you're like, what am I going to do? I'm about to retire. I agree with you. So if you have been doing it all your life one way and you're stuck in that, then do the best you can. I don't recommend you doing some weird deal where you wake up one day like, that's it, I give my career up. Like you're 65, right? I'm not trying to, to, to spark that in you. But I do want you to understand young people need to hear this message. Young adults who have their life ahead of them. Even midlife, you can still make a change. You can still switch into starting your own business. You need to start to think about what God has for you, what God wants to do in your life. Some of you, you might think you're old, but it's not too late. Take your experience, take whatever you've raised up, and maybe you could partner with someone else and do something big with your last few years. 
But when you're young, you've really got to make sure you're planning right. When you're younger, think and help, help the kids. Let's help the youth. Let's help the young people. Think of it. Many women want kids, but they don't raise them these days because they had kids without financial plan in place. Many women are forced to work a job and pay someone else to raise their kid. Our kids can make it like this, but it's just not ideal. It's not ideal. I know it's God's will. Overall, God wants women to mother their children as much as possible. Can our kids make it the other way? Sure they can. I remember going to daycare a lot. I remember going to uh, after-school programs a lot. I wasn't with my mom and dad a whole lot, and, and I made it. Is that really ideal? No, it's not ideal. God's plan is best, and he gives us grace for those times when we're not able to do it. But if you're older and you're stuck, I get it. It's okay. Do what you got to do. Some of y'all, you're past that time. It's all right, but do your best. But think when you think of a career... Please help the young ladies think about this. You've got to think about whether you want kids and who's going to raise the kids. Because I've seen too many young moms have kids and regret it because they did not plan. Also, don't marry a loser. That's kind of for another day, but that, that can cause problems too. Yeah, it's, it's one big mess when you go down that road. To the men to, that want to work a job, don't choose a job if you're going to have kids and be gone all the time, if you can help it. Some have to. If you're in the military, you have to, right? You hit tough times, you got to be gone. But it's best, men, especially when you're younger and you're picking your career, try to have a job if you're going to have kids where you can be with your kids because we have way too many children with absent fathers who are not around in their lives. And it's so important we make sure to have a career built for a family. Not all careers are good for raising kids. Yes, amen. Choosing a job, lastly, choosing a job that makes you miss church is not wise. Now, on the fact of whether or not you might be lost over it, usually you're not lost over that part. You're usually lost over something else. But I, don't, I can't say that missing church makes you lost because you miss church for vacation. You miss church because of emergencies. I don't believe that. I believe what happens when we choose to work and miss church is it creates a distance between us and our church family and God that over time can be the thing you will lose your soul over. I do not think missing a service means you're going to die and go to hell. I don't believe that one bit. I believe that when you don't have the conviction to stay in church and you tell your boss, I'm not doing it, Right? I believe something happens to people that miss all the time, and they get cold. It's very rare to see people miss church a lot because of their job and be on fire for God. It's very rare. And so I'm encouraging you, when you pick your career, make sure you can go to church, make sure you can do outreach, make sure you can be with your family. Try to think through everything. You can make money doing a lot of things, church family, but it needs to be God's will. I want to see you financially stable. I want to see you have money for vacation, all that stuff. But ultimately, I want to see you working where God has called you to work. And the younger you are, be as careful and smart as you can. Let's help our kids make sure they get good careers, good jobs, good trades. And I'll throw out a good tip for some of y'all. 
this lazy younger generation doesn't want to do pipes and electrical and manual labor anymore. There's going to be a lot of big money in manual labor in the future of this nation. Robots will never do everything. Who's going to fix the robots? We're going to have to have people that know how to get their hands dirty in this world. And so some of us are telling our kids not to get into labor jobs, but labor jobs can be very profitable. I mean, you just price an electrician or a plumber coming to change out your faucet. Y'all, I, I heard the other day plumbers will charge you per faucet. It could take them 10 minutes. They'll charge you like $150 a faucet. They'll charge you this for that. I mean, it adds up to be $1,000 and they do work for just a few hours. All because of plumbing. And we're like telling our kids to go be doctors. I'm like, no, in two years you could be a plumber and you could be making a ton of money. So we've got to get our kids to do what fits them. And you might want to think about doing that too. Get out of your dead-end career and get into something where you can make some money. I hope that you have thought through these things. I hope it makes a, a help to you. But ultimately, this is the theme of it all. Please pray about your career and do the will of God. Don't just be the man that works for the man. Don't just do what other people do. But dream a little. Think about it. Get outside the box. And let God bless you. I really believe God wants to raise up business owners in this church. I still believe God wants there to be millionaires in this church. I really do. I know that might be weird for some of y'all thinking I barely get by. I truly believe that. I believe it. I believe there's people out here right now that you could, I keep telling them to close, but this is a really good one. I'm going to close on this one probably. It's not even 9 o'clock, but it's about to. i got to hurry. Listen, check out, check out a cool idea. Start a business. Make it profitable, right? It might take you a while. Take a cut. Let someone else manage it. You can work full-time as an evangelist in the city and take a cut. Do you see what I just did there? Amen. Some of you are like, Pastor, hire me. No. <laughs> go hire yourself. You hire yourself. Y'all, we can't keep doing what we're doing. We got to get outside the box. We cannot afford the last day revival on poor folks tithing. That's not how this works. You could do a business, you could let someone else run it, you could pull a paycheck, manage it, and you could preach every day on the street. Hire yourself. If people can buy yachts and go golf every day, surely you can do something and go preach every day. We're the people of God. Because if you work for the church, you're going to be on a budget. Because the way we operate is tight. It's going to be a budget. Yeah. Yeah. That's that scary baby again trying to scare us. Let's all stand. The other day I was walking to the church in the front. There was a scary baby sitting in a chair just like staring forward waiting on a taco for Sunday. And I was locking up and I, I looked down at it and I was like, oh my, hallelujah. Just like churches get a little scary at nighttime. And I won't tell you about that snake we found this week in the church. but uh, Oh, did I say it out loud? Oh my goodness. Some of you are like, is he joking? Is it for real? I, yeah, that's for real. Right down here by the stairs. I don't know how a snake got in here. But uh, snake, but this is not the, not, not the first time. There was one time, there was a snake skin back here. We found a big old snake skin one time several years ago. But this little is a little bitty one. It wasn't a big deal. But uh, my, my daughter came down, Avalyn, and she walked right by. She thought it was Aspen's play snake. And she was just like, oh, okay. And she just let it sit there. And so when I walked out, it, it was real. And so we had to find a way of getting rid of it and all that. I couldn't tell what kind it was. But, uh, man, that's crazy, isn't it? Snakes in a Pentecostal church. 
we, uh, we must be doing something right. I don't know. We don't bring them in. They come to us, all right? They know where they belong. <laughs> but that's okay. We rebuked it. Bible says that uh, Jesus shall bruise thy head, and so that's what we did. We bruised its head, and uh, a little bit more than bruising, but it may not have survived, but we took care of it. So one less snake down, just be careful on your way out tonight. It'll be all right. Hey, y'all be safe heading home. I hope this gives you some advice, some logic. Open your mind to things. I love you. I care about you, and I want you to make it. Everybody say in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be dismissed. Don't forget your children before you go. If you need any advice, let us know. We're here to help you along the way.